Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I'm going to teach this morning on something very important that I think will help you. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands because there are people at home who can't raise their hands, so I won't put you on the spot. But how many of you have found at times that you can be so strong in the Lord and you can be confident of your salvation, but a week later you can be like, I'm not sure if I die tonight, I'd go to heaven. You can have days where you're so busy that you don't have time to think about sin or anything that's negative, and at the end of the day you go to bed and you say, praise God. I, I know I am, I'm already chosen. And then the other days, when your mind goes here and your heart goes there, and you go to bed, Lord Jesus, please, if I die in my sleep, please take me home. How many know we can swing like a pendulum from being secure in our salvation to being insecure? From knowing that we're going to heaven to, know, to thinking that we're not going to heaven. And that's a bad place to be. And here's what's happening in the Christian world. Because people are failing so much, they don't, they're not standing in God, what tends to happen is they will choose a church where they never preach anything that challenges you, where they only soothe you because that helps your conscience and it enables you to get through. But that's not Christian maturity. We've got to be well established in God so that we don't go from one pendulum point to another pendulum point, but we stand strong in God. Are you with me this morning? And it's not a great place to live when you live in condemnation all the time. One minute you're saved, the next minute you are not. And um, I want to speak to you today from the book of Ephesians. Now, we're not going to deal with the whole book. It's got six chapters. But we are going to read 38 verses. You say, what? Yep, that's the length of the book of Haggai. And 38 verses takes five minutes to read. So just relax. But we can cover a book today because I want to speak to you about the three stages of Christian maturity that are mentioned in the book of Ephesians. Now, I've told on this some time back, but I felt it timeous to do it right now as we are rebuilding. And the book of Ephesians is broken up into three sections. Firstly, it is sit. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ, and that's our relationship with the Lord. And chapters one to three, if you're making notes, deals with that, who we are in Christ. The book starts with how we've been saved, chosen, and who we are in Christ. And it's our position in Christ. And then the second one is our walk with God. How we need to live out our Christian life. And that's our relationship with the world we're living in. And then thirdly, our standing, how we've got to stand in God when we're tempted and attacked. That's our relationship to the enemy. And when you understand those three sections, you will be well established and mature as a Christian. So I want to start with the three postures of a Christian, we'll start with the first one, and that is sit, our position in Christ. We are seated in Christ, and it's our relationship with God. And we'll read from Ephesians chapter 2. We're just cherry-picking some verses because we don't have time to read it all. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages... He might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now he explains what those riches are. For it is by grace 
you have been saved. Through faith, you tr- through just tr- trusting. And this is not from yourselves, your salvation that is. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We've been told now that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. This is where you've got to know that you are in Christ. A Christian's life starts from a place of rest, not from a place of works. And too many people are trying to work because they don't know their place of rest. Are you with me? And here it tells us that we're seated, we've been saved by grace, we can't earn it or work for it, it is a gift of God. And you, you've got to know that, and every day that you wake up, you've got to be seated with Christ, co-heirs with Him in heavenly places. Are you with me? And it's so important that we understand this. You see, we, we, don't, we don't walk out our Christian life so that we're eligible to sit. We sit in Christ so that we're eligible to then walk out. And you've got to understand how this works. Why are we seated in heavenly places? Well, you've got to go right back to the beginning of the Bible. When Adam was created, listen, he was created on the sixth day. So guess what happened on the seventh day? God rested. So the first day of Adam's life was not work, it was rest. God makes him and he enters into rest. Well, Jesus Christ comes along, the second Adam, dies for our sins, and as a result of it, we are seated in him. The first thing we receive, having been recreated as the new children of God, is we seated. We don't work. Are you with me? And you've got to know that you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't earn your place or your position in God. You're seated because of the gift of God. Are you with me? You remember the great banquet, the parable of the great banquet in Luke's gospel. There's a banquet that's prepared, and then the servant, which is Jesus, is sent out to tell them, come now, for all is ready. You don't have to earn your place at the banquet. You just get invited, and if you respond, you get seated at the banquet table with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This is, a, this is a free gift. You just need to sit. You can't do anything else. You need to sit. And unless you sit, you won't be able to walk and you won't be able to stand. Are you with me? Ephesians 1 and verse 13. Notice this. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You are given the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You've been assured that you've got an inheritance. You just need to sit down and enjoy it. Are you with me? That's what the grace of God is. But, you see, this is where people struggle. But then what about living out the Christian life? Surely God wants to change us. Now, some people will, will just say, no, no, you just need to remember that God loves you, that you've been forgiven, that you are seated. That's only the beginning point. We've now got to live out the Christian life. Are you with me? 
and there's got to be a, a outworking. You see, when you're seated in heavenly places, this, this is known in biblical terms, in theological terms, this is known as what's called justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. I am seated, not because of my works, but it's just as if I never sinned, and I'm seated in heavenly places, but however, there's something called sanctification, where I have to grow and change and be more like Jesus, that's why I'm still on the planet. And people will tell you, no, you just need to be seated. God loves you, no matter what you do. Nothing can take away his love. And, and if you just fail, and if you just live your life, you know, and if you've got certain tendencies, and, you, and, and if you're addicted to drugs, you know, he just loves you. That's true, but you've got to be seated so that you can start to be sanctified. There's a journey that you have to make. And notice it's all three of these you'll see. It's not just one. Are you with me? And so we've, we, we, we've got to realize that our sins were crucified at the cross with Christ. Listen to me. Your sin was, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, my sins were dealt with at the cross, but my flesh wasn't. Your flesh wasn't crucified, your sins were. Now your flesh has got to be crucified as you walk it out. So it's the second thing we come to in the book of Ephesians, you see we've already dealt with chapters one to three. We now come to the second one, which is walk. And that's our life in the world. Seating is our relationship with Christ, but now God wants us to go out into the world, our relationship to man. And when you read the Bible, you'll see often there's a little heading here at the beginning of chapter four, and it speaks about maturity and unity. So chapter four, uh, chapter a little bit of chapter three, four, and into chapter five, a little bit into chapter six, is about our Christian walk. And though the Christian life begins with sitting, the Christian life is always followed by walking. Is this making sense today? It's, it gets followed by walking. So listen, sitting describes our position with Christ in the heavenlies, but walking is the practical outworking of it. So sitting, if you like, is doctrine, but walking is the practical outworking of it. This is what we believe in our heads. I know who I am, I know what Christ has done, and I accept that, and so it's in my mind. I don't have to do anything for it because it's mental, it's faith, I believe it, but here there has to be some action. I've now got to, because I believe that, I've got to live it out and walk it out and demonstrate Christ in the world. Am I making sense? And you'll find this word walk mentioned eight times in the book of Ephesians. And uh, it's, our, it's, our, it's to order one's behavior. Walk means to order one's behavior. It's an old-fashioned word, but it is still appropriate and still works. And, and we have to, listen, if, if you want to understand walking, we have to live up to where we sit. If you walk out, you can clap if you want to. <laughs> if you say this, because I'm seated in heavenly places and I know God loves me, I can walk as I like. You don't live a life worthy of where you're seated. You don't bring honor to the one you're seated with. You bring disgrace to the one you're seated with. You have got to walk out a life worthy, it says. Let's read a couple of texts here to get the bearings. Ephesians 4 and verse 1. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. King James says, walk worthy of the calling you've received. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer, watch this, walk as the Gentiles do 
in the futility of their minds. A Christian thinks differently. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous, so you don't feel convicted, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Can you see? You can't say because God loves me, I can live as I like. Because God loves me and I'm seated with Christ, I have to walk out a different kind of walk, demonstrating His life in me. And what's happening in the church today, people are being told, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what your lifestyle, doesn't matter your tendencies, uh, so, so you're homosexual, you're living with, a, uh, you're a man living with another man, oh, God just loves you. No, you, the gospel is not one-sided. It doesn't only have one dimension. There's a walk, and it's a difficult walk at times. And I'll come to what happens when the walk's difficult. Just now. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sensual, Im, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, little and tolerated, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Gosh, I was watching Netflix yesterday. You, you know what I prayed? I pray, God, I need to watch this because this is a true story. But please don't let any of these words come out of my mouth by accident. Because if I'm listening to this all the time, what is getting into me? I, I get nervous. Now, I don't swear because I know we're not supposed to swear. And when I get angry, the, the, you know, the, the worst saying I might say is, <laughs> I can't even say it because you, you won't listen to me beyond this. But we use these words, these simple words, you know, drat. But Christians who just are so free, they just swear. Yeah, I know, you know, it's my friend. I've got friends, and I, like Jesus, I'm with the tax collectors, you know, and that's how they talk. But, but stop it. Don't walk like that. Hmm? Notice it goes on to say, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. But I thought you told me that God loved me and that I'm seated in heavenly places. Yes, but. That must lead to this. Are you with me? He goes on to say, and I don't want to bring condemnation because hopefully you get the balance here. He says there, do, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Notice that phrase, pleasing to the Lord. Look carefully then, here's the word again, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. They're dangerous. Do not get drunk on wine or on dope or sniff cocaine, which leads to debauchery. That's in the Andre translation. <laughs> Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You could never walk the Christian life unless you have the help of the Holy Spirit. Not only the Word of God, but you need the help of the Spirit from within, who mixes with your Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. 
You see, if we're going to go forward and make progress and mature, we've got to think about what makes God happy and how we represent Him in the world best and how we walk out where we're sitting. And that's the challenge for the Christian because that's when we have trouble. But listen to me, most Christians today don't think about how to please the Lord. They think about how the Lord can please them. So we go to a church where we just told God loves us and God wants to bless us and God wants to make us happy and we end up with selfish, carnal Christianity instead of seeking how to please the Lord. Remember, I read it in Ephesians. But notice, this theme goes throughout New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. It goes into saying 2 Corinthians 5. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Notice this, growing in the knowledge of God. You see, a lot of people will tell you, Pastor Andre, that is such legalism. You should tell people that God loves them, that God has unconditional love. I just have. We are seated. But we're not safe to sit. We're safe to walk. And as we walk, it's challenging. There's a challenge. And the grace of God isn't given to smooth over so that you feel good. The grace of God is given to change you. And I want to explain something to you here because the grace is given that we might go from sitting to walking. One verse here, let me read to you, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that appeared and offers salvation to all people, it, the grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, you can't just sit. You have to grow. Are you with me? And I'll leave that text there. And, and Paul the Apostle didn't just sit in heavenly places. He didn't write to the church and say, we're seated. And it's so great to be seated. And you know, I used to be a Pharisee. And I used to try hard. But now I don't try at all. And you know, I've got three women on the side. But I just know God loves us. And thank God the law's been dealt with. And we can just live under the love of God. And I know God wants me to be happy. And happiness is the most important thing today. And who am I to condemn anyone, to point out anyone's sin? And you know, it's just love. And love wins. And love is over all. And I'm so tired of hearing these phrases from a one-sided gospel. Do you know what the Apostle Paul says? The great Apostle Paul who got the revelation that we're talking about in Ephesians. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He doesn't just walk. He says this, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You see, you can't ignore your Christian walk and Christian behavior, but you can't now live only in your walk and live under condemnation. We cannot live only here where we are walking and stumbling, walking and stumbling, walking and falling. We can't only live where we're seated so that we can be smoothed over. We've got to know where we're seated and then walk in His grace and strength and realize it's going to take discipline. We're disciples. Are you with me? 
And the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I, even though I'm teaching you that you're seated, I could be disqualified if I allow my flesh to rule me and I don't walk in a way that is pleasing to God. You see, we've got to grow. We can't ignore it. We've got to move on and move forward. And so we come to the third stage in the Christian life. It's stand. Stand. Our attitude to the enemy. Our relationship to the enemy. You see, the first one is our position. The second one is our walk. Hear me here. The third one is our warfare. As a Christian, you can't just sit. You've got to make war. But you can understand how they work. When you're seated, you know that you're loved. You're forgiven. Now you begin to try and live it out. But as you live it out, guess what happens? The devil tempts you. He tries to get you to stumble every day of your life so that you will fall. Are you with me? And you won't be seated. Neither will you walk. You will have fallen. But God says, no, because you're seated, as you walk and you're tempted, you're going to have to take a stand. There are two thrones at war. The throne of Christ, the one on which we sit with him, and the throne of Satan. Now, here's the interesting thing that we need to understand. When the Bible talks about standing, and I'll read it in a moment from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. When it says stand, it doesn't say attack. Some Christians, it's, it's just like the grace teaching. It's over on the other end. You've got spiritual warfare teaching. I declare to the heavens, I cut you down, Satan. I speak to the demons. Some churches, they talk to the devil before they preach. Satan, we just want to tell you today that you're not welcome here. I'm like, stop talking to the devil. Talk to Jesus. You see, here's the thing. We stand. We don't attack because we stand in what we have. When you attack, you're trying to gain something you don't have. But when you stand, you stand in what you already have. Are you with me? It's, it's not trying to claim something. It's trying to guard what I've got so that Satan doesn't take it away. Now, Watchman Nee, who actually wrote a book on this in 1977, a book called Sit, Walk, Stand. We, we grew up on this stuff, and today Christians don't know it. His books are out of date. Tremendous Chinese minister who, who, who preached all over China, was persecuted, but brought many to Christ. The Christian heritage you see in China today comes from men like him. And he said this about spiritual warfare in his book, in chapter, uh, speaking about stand. He says this, he says, the difference between defensive and offensive warfare is this. In the former, I've got the ground and only seek to keep it. Whereas in the latter, I have not got the ground, and I'm fighting in order to get it. Thus today, we do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. We do not fight in order to win, but in Christ we have already won. The Christians walk in warfare alike, derive their strength from his position there. If he is not sitting before God, he cannot hope to stand before the enemy. You see, when the devil comes and tempts me and tells me, you're not a Christian, look what you're doing. You got tempted by that. Look how you stumbled. I've got to go back and realize that I'm seated with Christ and I belong to him and I'm trying to live it out instead of falling down and lying there. And a lot of Christians fall away because I can't do this. I feel I've got desires. I feel I want to sniff cocaine. I feel I want to sleep with the same sex. I, 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 
The church must accept me as I am. No, no, no. You need to grow beyond, and you need to take a stand against the enemy. See, you understand something here. When, when we are walking, you know what the devil will do? He will try and trip us up by tempting us with sin. Tempting us to do something that goes against where we're seated. He will tempt us to, to, to not believe God. Oh, as I'm walking, I get sick. I get COVID. Someone in my family dies. I, I, I thought I was seated in heavenly places. How come now, as I live my life, I'm getting sick? How come my business went bankrupt? Is this thing true? See, what Satan's trying to get you to do is he's trying to get you to stop walking. Because if he can get you to stop walking with God, you will throw away your salvation. What you have to do is, when I stumble, when I'm tempted, when I go through suffering, I take a stand. No, Satan. Sorry. Is this making sense today? Let me read the text so that you see it. Ephesians chapter 6 and here he talks about what we need to do when doubt and unbelief and sin and temptations and accusations come, guilt, suffering. Ephesians 6 and verse 10, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Can you see the repeat of this word here? And after you have done everything to stand, then he says, stand firm then. You see, although we are seated in heavenly places, as we walk, we will be tempted, we will be accused, uh, Look what you thought. Look what you did. Look what you watched. Look what you smoked. Ah, you call yourself a Christian. This is the second time you've done that. You know what most of us do? When we stumble and fall, we give up. But what we have to do is we have to stand up with the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, and we have to stand in who we know we are because we are seated. I have to remind myself that as I walk and I fail, I will stand, and if I stumble, I won't lie on the ground and give up. I'll come back and, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Is this making sense today? Hopefully you're being helped online at home or wherever you find yourself today. We have to understand that the enemy will constantly come, and we can't give in to him and give up our seat because that's what he wants. He doesn't like the fact that you're seated so as you walk, he tries to trip you up, but you have to stand. And one of the things, listen to me, one of the things that happened during COVID that has called, caused Christians to give up on their faith, suffering. It's not just sexual temptation or alcohol or lust or, you know, the usual ones we think of. No, it's that doubt. Is God good? Is God active in the world? Does God really care about me? Look what happened. No, you have to take a stand. You have to take a stand. And if you resist the devil, he flees from you. Are you with me? And so we have to mature from just being seated where we know our position in Christ to living in the world, our relationship with people and, and with the world, and then we have to take a stand. Our relationship with the enemy is one of resisting him so that he doesn't drag us away from God. Let me give you six simple points as a summary today. I hope this has helped you. And, uh, and listen to me. Here's, here's something I want to say before I get there. When you are well-seated in Christ and you walk out your Christian life well, 
it will be very easy to stand. But when you are only seated and you don't live properly, you have no chance of resisting the devil. That's why you constantly need to be comforted. Shame. You're like, no, don't worry. Don't worry. You're okay. You're, yeah, but I did this and I did that and I did that. That's fine. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You see, you'll never be able to stand unless you're walking strong. And we have to grow in maturity and live that out. Does that make sense? Whenever you take a stand, it's not just that you're resisting the devil, you display Satan's authority over your life, and you declare Jesus' lordship over your life. Here's six things, you can write them down, they'll come up on the screen. When we sit all the time, we haven't learned to walk and stand. Isn't that the truth? So we, we, we can't stop there. Wonderful to live in the first three, books, or three, first three chapters of Ephesians. No, no, when we, when we only sit, we haven't learned to walk and stand. Then secondly, when we walk out our Christian lives, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Don't forget that. Don't try and do this in your own strength. He talks about us being sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's the enabler because flesh on its own cannot live up to God and please God. We can be seated, but in order to walk, we need the Holy Spirit's help. And we must learn to pray in tongues, speak in tongues, ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Don't ignore him as though he's like a spare wheel in the boot of your car. You know, the Father is the steering wheel, the Son is the car. Oh, yes, we have a Holy Spirit in the boot for when we need Him. No. No, He's the engine that drives us. He's the power. And we've got to keep that in mind. Number three, when we walk and we are tested and tempted, we must stand. So if you're facing temptation and testing right now through suffering, stand. Say, I will not be moved. I'm feeling bad. I'm doubting, but I will not give up. I will stand. It doesn't say fight, it just says stand. In other words, don't give up. Don't give in. Are you with me? Number four, when we walk and we fall, we must sit again. And then resume our walk. Does that make sense? So, so when I'm walking, I mean, if you're walking down the road, Think of this, and you trip on the edge of the pavement. Any, anyone had that happen to them? And you fall. You don't just lie there. The dirt cart will take you away. No, you get up. But what Christians do, I've fallen so many times, and it's going to stay fallen. Are you dumb or what? Get up and go and sit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I belong to you. Thank you that you, and I resume my walk again. This is simple, but I hope it's not simplistic. Number five, when we sit, walk, and stand, we can pray confidently in Jesus' name. If you're properly seated in Christ and you're walking as best you can by the power of the Holy Spirit and standing against the devil, you will have a confidence to pray like few people have. The reason most Christians don't pray is because they're not sure of where they are seated. They know their walk is, is not great, and the devil has knocked them down a few times, so... How can I talk to God? Because he knows, he knows what I've been up to this last week. He knows where my mind's been. Lord, you know my heart. No, but when you're seated and you're walking as best you can and you're standing against the enemy, then when you pray, you have a confidence. Don't let the devil rob you of your confidence. Stay seated. Walk by the power of the Spirit and stand against the enemy. And lastly, the Christian who can sit, walk, and stand 
will be able to witness to others. Isn't that the truth? Because when you know that you're seated and God loves you, when you're trying to live it out but you don't do it perfectly, you know God will help you. And when you stand against the enemy, you can share that with others because that's the true gospel, not half a gospel. The problem today is we are sharing a half a gospel. You know what we're telling people? God loves you. Even though you sniff cocaine and you're living with someone of the same sex, God loves you. And you don't have to worry because Jesus loves and love goes over it. No, that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is God loves you but wants to change you so that you walk as he walked and that you stand against the enemy, not side with the enemy. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.